This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends. I'm Paul Verhoeven. That's John Verhoeven. And we are bringing you extra bits of Loose Units every week to keep your company through lockdown, even though, Dad, we just found out that the New South Wales-Victoria border drops on the 23rd, which is just, I mean, that's just crazy. Does that mean... um we're going to see each other for Christmas, perhaps. I would really like that. I would, And if we do, maybe we can do like a Christmas episode. I love sort. that idea. Yeah. I, uh, could, I could wear baubles. I mean, who's, who's to say you're not wearing them right now? Hmm. They're, they're sitting next to me. Oh, you meant to attach them. Hmm. I will later on. Sure. In the privacy of my own home. Well, that's where you are right now. <laughs> do it. Do it on the mic. They'll hear the jingling. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. All right, Paul, let's let's get on to something more. More substantial than jingling balls. So, every week we talk about true crime and the fire brigade and the funeral homes. And, I mean, obviously, you know the drill by now. Dad was an ex-cop. I'm his son. But Loose Ends is our, you know, we just answer letters and, and have fun, basically. So, there's kind of two things we wanted to handle this week. One of them is in response to something Dad claimed uh, a couple of weeks back, a couple of episodes ago, rather. Dad, would you like to read this message? Because it was a... Hang on a sec. Here we go. This is from Charles Corby. Hey, champions. Just have to correct, John. As a registered paramedic, I can legally complete verification of death on deceased persons. Now, would you like to bring us up to speed on that. Now, did you claim a few episodes ago that like the the undertaker or the mortician had to come and do that in person and a paramedic couldn't do that? Yeah, well, Charles, can I just say Charles is a top shelf name. Um, I like it as opposed to Charlie. You don't like Charlie? Not really. No. Um, but Charles is it 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 commands respect and admiration. Mm-hmm. Now, Charles Point taken, and I concur. Uh, However, um, I need to say to you and the listeners that, yes, that is the case now. But that legislation for paramedics came in in 2009. Oh, someone's been doing some research. I did some research because I I like to fact check. Uh Uh-huh. And paramedics were given the power to declare patients dead whereas previously it was a doctor's responsibility. Now, Charles, 
2009 is, funnily enough, about 30 years ahead of or after I joined the New South Wales Police Force. Now, back in the 80s, um, and now looking at the research, also the 90s and into the 2000s, Mm. uh, it was the sole jurisdiction of a doctor. Now, Charles also, um, and and we might like to sort of corroborate this furthermore, because I haven't had time to do research on this next minor topic or subtopic, that is that from memory in the very early 1980s when I joined the New South Wales Police Force, there were no paramedics. They were just ambos. I shouldn't say just because, you know, that's an incredibly important job. I don't think. I think paramedics, because paramedics are getting more and more and more power to use stronger and stronger drugs Mm -hmm. because, let's face it, they're at the coalface. They're right there when the patient really needs that incredibly intense care and the trauma that these paramedics, men and women, incredible, unbelievable job, exciting, incredibly stressful. I, I, I honestly think, and I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here because I know there are lots of fireys, lots of police and lots of uh, paramedics, ambos listening, and nurses mm-hmm. and doctors and physios and everyone but look i've often thought because i've been to a lot of incidents where where the paramedics the ambos are working intensely in all types of weather and they're they're really sort of in amongst it they're in the car yeah i remember that time up on the northern beaches that family an entire family bar one person they're all killed and one of the paramedics got me to reach in and come in through the back of the car and i was actually holding the head of the driver up and he was the only person alive. Uh, His family, wife and kids were all dead. And this guy actually said to the paramedics and myself, um, you know, the people that were working on him in the front of the car, um, so so I'm sort of behind him. Um, I actually had to push one of the the deceased away, sort of move them aside. Um, so I could fit onto the bench seat. So I was actually sitting next to two dead kids. And um, so I reached behind, uh, I'm behind the guy and I'm, the paramedics had asked me to support his head to keep the airway clear because they were doing some things with him at the front. He'd also sustained serious facial injuries. And um, I remember him asking whether his family were okay and I, I actually... One of those times where I just said, yep, everything's fine. Your family are good. I remember you telling this story, yeah. yeah. And mm. um, But my point being that the paramedics, um, you know, they do this stuff day in, day out. And, um, you know, like they might be called to an elderly, elderly person that's um, fallen downstairs, broken their hip in agony. Mm-hmm. They may not have been able to get to the phone for days, um, you know, but they're doing this all the time. They're dealing with people's real visceral, you know, pain, misery, anger, frustration, you know, everything, like every murder, the rapes, the, you know, the arsons where people are involved, you know, horrendous accidents, um, you know, disasters, 
earthquakes, tsunamis, plane crashes, train crashes. I mean, at every one of these incidents, the, the paramedics, the AMBOs are there and their job is so important to be able to save lives and um and yeah i think <clears throat> i i think that now this is where i'm about to go out on a limb and i'm sorry i've taken so long to get to the point but <laughs> i think that um i think that that's well it's definitely really stressful and i'm going to say that i think it's probably the most stressful job now that's that's an opinion you mean out um, of the emergency services yeah yeah okay i mean there okay. are obviously moments when police are being shot at um you know being assaulted Mm-hmm. But that happens to ambos and paramedics too when they I mean, give you, that, you know, sorry. Yeah, you, no, I was going to say you, you've been asked before what is the most exciting job in the emergency services, but you've never been asked what the most stressful is. And your answer is, I guess, not surprising, but I'm really, I'm really happy to hear you say it, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, it's good, Paul. And I, but in terms of exciting, mm. I would definitely go with the the police force. Yeah, I know. You However, feel, I, mm. you know, but that's 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 in the context of that particular statement is based on my experience in the 1980s and it was and, just a free for all. But also it's not just I mean it's not just the era. I mean one thing I learned writing the books about you is that it was your your policing style was to ostensibly, you know, like chase the most dangerous cases. If mm. you were a police officer in a small town that isn't Hawkins and fictional, uh, you would probably not you'll probably not encounter that much stuff. Dad, I, I, one of the things that we've been getting a bit of correspondence about is the ADD and the ADHD stuff. So if you've read the books, you'll know that I have ADHD, which is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. I think that's the exact acronym. But Dad, you obviously were... I mean, you're, it, we talk about it a fair bit in the books, um, about what it was like to have a kid who had uh, ADHD and how like kind of strange that must have been. And... I mean, I, I'm going to ask for your insights on that shortly, mm-hmm. but yep. I, have an, I have an email here from someone whose name I will uh, keep anonymous at their request. Hi, John, Paul, and family. I'm emailing to say a few things. First, I love your podcast and books. I've been listening since the beginning. I have recommended it to everyone I know and also got my 10-year-old daughter hooked. Yep, I know she's 10 and the material is sometimes a bit adult, but she's not the average 10-year-old. And that brings me to the second thing. Bear with me. I'm autistic and ADHD, so are both my 12-year-olds. We're all a bit different personality-wise, but the key characteristics you'd expect are there, e.g. tone when we're recalling things being monotonous, focus on detail rather than big picture, hyper-focus and intense recall of sensory memories, tangential conversations because our brains are off on a run, experts in a whole range of subjects because we need to know everything, being high achievers as a result but only in things we are interested in, being terrible at small talk for the same reason, delayed processing, which makes us good in an emergency but can make us seem cold to others, not being able to look at people when we talk because we can't focus if we're also processing people's facial expressions, etc. Liv and I are both hyperplex- hyperlexic, yeah, hyperlexic, so taught ourselves to read as toddlers. Freya is mildly dyslexic, so had difficulties with matching up spoken sound and written language. She gets a little behind at school, but she is hugely bright and operating on a moral level well above most adults. Liv has some amazing mimicking skills and can do accents from all over the world. Wow. Whereas I can't even do a Scottish accent and I'm originally Scottish. Yes, it gets embarrassing when people ask me to do tag it and I can't. 
I do, however, pick up on accents from exposure, so you can tell who I've been spending a lot of time with. Oops, tangent again. Sorry. Anyways, I know you've revealed that you have ADHD, Paul. Much appreciated to have visible role models in the community, by the way. And we've jokingly described you guys as being the one like Olivia, Paul, and the one like Freya, John. Paul, you mentioned often how you think... how you think that John is also ADHD, but I wondered if you've ever considered you might both be actually also ASD level one. Used to be called Asperger's. Okay. When I stumbled across a video of you both being interviewed recently, I realized that you both have lots of those key characteristics I mentioned above. You just have different personalities, so different methods of dealing with things. For example, during interviews, Paul, you look at people when you begin to reply, but then look around at the side of your dad's head. You smile a lot and animated a lot, but it's similar to the masking that I have to do on my job to to appear normal. Ooh, this cuts deep. I can turn it off and on as needed, but it took me a long time to realize it wasn't the real me. Nobody outside my close family and friends see me without that mask. John, you look at and then away from people when you're concentrating on what they say. Then you studiously look away whilst you respond, often at your own hands in your lap, which I can see are tightly clasped together as if you're holding in the urge to make a run for it. Your tone remains the same. Your pace remains slow and deliberate. This is similar to what I call teacher mode. It's a comfortable mask that lots of autistics use when explaining things and is very good at hiding the fact that we don't really want to have all the attention on us. I just thought I'd put that out there and don't expect a reply. I hope it's not overstepping. I'm never good at judging that and tend to be too honest. Now, there is a lot more of this very incredible email that we can kind of go into later on. Um, I mean, it's a really long email and it will be, it's too long to read now. It's, it's one of the best emails we've frankly ever received. It just, it talks about her experiences. It talks more about, you know, personal experiences being, you know, kind of on the spectrum. Um, and then, yeah, it, it sort of says almost every, cause she works with students. She says almost every student I know with, I almost every student I work with is ADHD or ASD. So letting them know there are adults like them who have the same challenges and are thriving is a huge thing. Just managing to get them to feel safe coming to school is massive. Um, dad, I'm not saying that you are in any way like this, but I find it really interesting that somebody picked up on my, um, you know, my diagnosis and then thought, well, look, it's a reasonable assumption to assume that, you know, because there's members of our family, dad, who I will talk to and they can never make eye contact. They're looking around the room, hands moving. I mean, there's definitely something kind of in the water. I mean, you and mum sent me to a child shrink. I was medicated for years. You clearly believe that this stuff is real. What are your thoughts on all of this? Hmm. Well, <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, if we had have had a camera on me yeah during that um <laughs> lengthy reading yes um i was refraining or trying not to laugh at least 3 times and not laughing in a bad way i was laughing in a way that made me feel that um that person had possibly revealed a few <laughs> yeah a few right traits Mm-hmm. However, mm. uh, my, one of my cousins, uh, who's not just a doctor, but <laughs> he's an eminent doctor, he said that when he was at Sydney University, um, and this is pre-Google, mm. every single time the class was studying particular diseases, they they could go home and study the symptoms and genuinely believe 
that they had that disease. Okay? Uh, does that make any sense at this stage? Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, what you're describing sounds like horoscopes, right? Well, um, you know, I concur and perhaps um, because I've always, um, under the umbrella of eccentricity, mm-hmm. uh, I've always regarded myself as coming from a long line of eccentrics on my mother's side. Mm. And it's funny because uh, whenever my mother used to talk about attributes, positive attributes mm-hmm. amongst the siblings, she would al- always attribute all the the clever attributes uh, to her to side her of side. the family. <laughs> yep. And all the... Uh, in fact, my father never got a mention. In fact, my mother famously... Um, and I don't know a lot of Latin, but I do know uh, that phrase ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. My sweet mum, the only thing she ever talks about really when she first met my father were his good legs he had very good calf is it calf or calf i think it's calves he had good calves two of them yeah yeah uh, so he had two legs and um they they met at the sydney north sydney police boys club which is kind of sweet and funny in a way um in that i ended up becoming a police officer in that area um so I mean, my grandfather was a famous um, absent-minded professor. Yes. And, 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 and stuff's been written about him. Um, and I do have cousins that I would regard as very interesting. And there are some of them on the spectrum. In fact, one of my relatives um, is institu- institutionalized. He's got um, autism where he can't speak. And uh, he's, he's, he's in his 50s, um, and, and he's sort of at the extreme end. And we do have some very, very interesting and eccentric uh, relatives. Um, but, but, I mean, but, it's, called a, it's called a spectrum for a reason. You can mm. be on the lowest end of it and have very specific, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a spray of attributes. Mm. And if you've got a few, I mean, there are a few things that um, this lovely listener mentioned where, again, you laughed or almost laughed because you were thinking, "Shit, that's that's." And well, you heard me doing it as well. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, no, I think yeah. it's it's very um, astute. I think, in mm. fairness to, not in fairness, but mm. I would actually like to meet this person one on one because that's when you get a sense of the the whole person. Because I do, would, I eyeball people. Mm. I'm very very particular about eyeballing. But but if people see film of us, that's mm. totally different because we well, are looking at the camera. Here's what I would say. A lot of the film that may have been um, the film in question when we were interviewed, it might have been from back when Dad and I first did press for the first book, at which point Dad hadn't done any press. And so Dad was legitimately nervous. But you get Dad also being on camera on live TV puts pressure on anyone, even the most seasoned performer. And the reason I kept looking at the side of Dad's head after talking is because I was making sure he was okay because Mm. he hadn't you know, done that in a while. The reason... I suspect some of this might be true is actually partly because of career stuff. I mean, hyperfocus is one of the symptoms of ADHD. You get really laser focused on one thing and you do that. Now, whether it is specific types of antiques or whiskey, when you're suddenly stockpiling very obscure whiskeys for a period of about six months or whether you're, you know, it's, it's very beneficial for someone like you 
to be able to get laser point fixated on certain mm. things. Yeah. Um, well, I'm an extremist. Uh, yes, and th- um, that, that yes, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm I can't do anything by halves. So, mm. you know, all the listeners, here we go. Okay, get ready for a communal rollback of all your eyeballs because I'm going to say a few things that you all know. But I do fast 20 <laughs> hours a day. Paul, I don't know why this elicits a laugh from you because you should know by now that I do fast. And I love saying it. Um, it's like positive reinforcement. But also, I I like drinking. Not... not <laughs> Not to the point of excess, but I do like wine and I like single malt whiskey. I like a really nice, um, you know, craft gin. And I'm I'm moderate. Um, but for two weeks now, listeners, no alcohol has passed my lips for two weeks. And the reason I've done that is, well, p- partially because Christine thought it was a good idea. She for her, for herself, and then I thought, well, you know, I don't really. She said, "Look, you can you can drink wine in front of me every night." Of course, she doesn't. She couldn't give a rat's ass about that. But I thought, look, why don't I give it a bash? And it's a habit. And every afternoon, sort of coming into the evening, I sit there, and it's like it's 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 a great feeling. If you've had a very hard day, you've you've had a lot of things happening, a bit of stress, a lot of driving, a lot of wheeling and dealing. Um, you know, the things that we all do and then to sit down, but then it does become a habit. And I I just thought I'll give it a go and it's been about two weeks now and I'm feeling pretty good. Um, and I have a tea. Oh, shit. I can't believe I'm saying this. I have a cup of tea. I must sound like a fucking idiot but no what's happening no, it's, is it's I, weird. no no dad i've I, we, we're trying to establish what you you are gently contesting the point that you might be on the spectrum and have adhd and on the way there you went down about 14 different rabbit holes thereby proving our point i mean people make jokes they literally post graphs about hmm. the tangential nature of our discussion but i love i love the rabbit hole i love yeah, it i know but, but you would if you have this Look, no but I, no but it's it's a part of me that it's it's i think to be a storyteller um, is, I mean, there were people in 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 history. Um, I'm not sure whether the cave people, whether they told stories. Um, Fucking hell! This is like you went Paleolithic <laughs> tangent. Okay, Paul. Oh, all- no, listen. I, I I would like to because what what are your thoughts on my ADHD? Paul, what are your you thoughts- were a very 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 did I say that three times? Uh, were, very, were, very, yeah, very you were extremely demanding. Oh, and boy, mate, you were a, look. You were demanding. You were. What does that mean exactly? Well, I don't know whether it's all teenagers, but when you were in your early teens, mm. I craved your attention. Yeah, I really, really wanted to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. And you zoned out, and now I guess that could be a trait um, with a lot of um, teenagers. So I used to take you for drives in the Ute, um, in the longing and the knowing that you couldn't get out of the Ute. <laughs> Police techniques, yeah. And you you were kind of mine. We could spend some quality bonding time. Did you take me to do anything that I might like to do or did you just Paul, take me driving? Oh, mate, driving's fun in the Ute. 
Okay. That's I took fact. him out in the ute and he didn't want to talk well, to I me. Don't, Paul, I don't speak like with that, that phony accent there. But the thing is, Paul, I remember one day and it's etched in my mind. I can, I can visualize me looking over at you. Mm-hmm. Not only were you silent, but you were listening to your Walkman. Mm-hmm. So you had got into the car, you'd accepted that, you'd, and but you still decided to zone out. And I just looked across and thought, it's it's a waste of time. And I, and I that was I was sad that I remember the day. I don't know what suburb, but you would have been maybe maybe thirteen or fourteen. And I just thought, um, here's an opportunity. But you and and that's I'm not saying that's. That's probably a very common characteristic amongst teenagers. But and I know people move through that. And look, my dad, he had some gems. He used to say, All the chickens come home to roost. So, you know, like you make your bed, you've got to lie in it. Um but another thing he used to say, which I guess is starting to go down that hole again, but and it's a great uh, he said some very wise things and they're they're like mantras for me, and one of the greatest mantras that I live by everyone is this good habits are as easily formed as bad habits and I live by that in other words if you want to correct yourself or or improve yourself um, if you start doing it little by little it becomes like like bad habits I mean we all have bad habits but you can break them and, and, and you can turn them into good habits and this has really got nothing to do with you Paul but you know we realised very early on that you were exceptionally smart, really smart, and and that that was evident by the results you got at school, and the lack of uh, of preparedness. You would you always did things at the last minute. I know when you were in high school for really important exams, you would um, do an assignment on a Sunday night, in in a handwriting that was almost illegible. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But boy, oh boy, you you turned out some fantastic gear. Now, Christine and I, we, we, we had our golden rules with you children. No TV, no curfews. And we treated you not like babies or we we didn't we never spoke down to you we we encouraged you um we didn't give you false hope um you know this saying that you can achieve anything in the world that's bullshit Yes, it is bullshit. That's absolute it's, fucking bullshit, and it shits me when I hear it. You can achieve not, yeah. anything. No, you can't. I can't. I am not mathematically inclined. I cannot go and be an astrophysicist. I never could have. And let's let's get real. So that's 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 shit. And parents that say to their children, "You can be anything," I think that's not cool. Um, and we never said that to you kids. What we did do is provide the three of you, and you're all three bizarrely and totally and tangentially different children, believe you me. Yeah. Like if I had you three kids on stage There's and no I was the MC, it's just yeah. honestly, the three of you kids. But we're a family and um and it's awesome and you know yeah, well, it's I looked up the symptoms of adult ADHD just to see if you agree with each of these. So could you just give each of these a check, a yes or a no, um for, for me and see if you see if you agree with these with these diagnoses. Impulsiveness. Um, <clears throat> well, um, less so now, but definitely in my earlier years. Yep. Um, forgetting names and dates. Uh, 100%. I have no... I, I just... It's terrible. I, Actually, I, I, is- haven't used, I haven't used pieces of fruit. Like there's this girl I knew called Melanie and I thought of melons... <laughs> God, I couldn't even remember Melons to remember so, that her name was Melanie. And okay, let's. I tell you what, let's do this side by side and see, so we'll we'll see who has what traits. Okay, so impulsiveness. You're you are definitely impulsive. You are impulsive. This is not a this is not an argument. You are absolutely impulsive. And as for me, I pitched this. I pitched Loose Units, the book, without getting permission from you. I had to ask you for permission after they'd bought the book and said yes to it at Penguin. So oh, that's yes. interesting. <clears throat> yeah. So we're both impulsive. We both forget names and dates. Here's number three: missing deadlines and leaving projects unfinished. Because uh, I'm a freelance journalist as well, and yeah, I um, I have like a like a graveyard of projects that are unfinished, and I I do tend to still do that thing you said with the exams. Sometimes I will submit stuff at the last minute. I'm getting much better at it, like you said, and like grandfather said, it is possible to build up good habits, and I've really had to fight for that. But it's definitely a thing. But what about you? Missing deadlines and leaving projects unfinished? Um, <clears throat> I'd say no to that. Okay. Um, and also, Paul, um, mm-hmm. I like to. I might not be able to remember names and dates. However, my life is exceptionally busy. I'm running two very busy businesses. Yes. Like really busy. Mm-hmm. Now they rely on me being on time. And I have this little thing that I do with clients, and, and this is going to sound a bit wacky, and this might think I have a neurosis, but 
what I do, and this is actually when I think about what I'm about to tell you, I think this actually is slightly odd. But when people open the door at all the appointments I go to, I hold my iPhone in front of my face and they just see that. And it's always right on the second. And I then say to them, how's that for punctuality? That seems a little antagonistic. No, I don't agree with you. That seems like something that someone on the spectrum would do. Oh, okay. But anyway, yep. I just like to let people know that I'm on time, which is really important. Um, <laughs> it's like Paul, a fucking, No, it's like a kidnapping photo where you make the hostage hold, of, Paul, hold today's newspaper. It's kind of fun and it's a bit of a joke, but, but it's, yeah. I think it's important. But the point I'm making, dear Paul, is that <laughs> I don't keep a diary, much okay. to Christine's horror. Yeah, that's fucking weird. Uh, I don't, and do you know why I don't keep a diary? Because like you're lazy test, and easily distracted? No, I test my brain power mm-hmm. by trying to remember every single conceivable appointment. Um, and, I, now, and I find it exciting. This next point is actually kind of uh, kind of on point. Extreme emotionality and rejection sensitivity. <laughs> yes now, to that. Yes to that. Rejection sensitivity. Listeners, I'm not... I'm going to say something really quickly right now. Occasionally, Dad and I make the mistake of reading the reviews on iTunes. And Dad read a negative review one year ago. He still talks about it. We're not going to talk about it now, Dad. We're not going to talk about it now. But it was pretty mean to Dad. And he has... It It, it really got to him. That is rejection sensitivity on a level which is just unparalleled. What happens is occasionally people say... Oh, um, people occasionally say that you wrote the book. Um, and that, 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 that fucks me up really badly. Or like we get a, or a critic says something bad or someone Paul, doesn't let's return. Don't, let's don't dwell no, on no, this. But I, 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 no, but uh, the, the, to get to the extreme emotionality and rejection sensitivity point, I needed to very briefly go, yeah, it's a thing. But this next one is so good. Becoming easily distracted and disorganized. Um, you don't get disorganized. You do get distracted. I get distracted, Paul. However... Mm. I am mm-hmm. fastidious and definitely particular. <laughs> I wouldn't, I might say a touch of OCD. However, uh, mm-hmm. I don't give a, but the thing about OCD, I've, I've witnessed OCD people go into other people's houses or restaurants mm-hmm. and actually adjust things. I don't do that because I couldn't give a rat's ass about other people's houses. They can live in squalor. And they can have shit halfway up their wall. I couldn't give a rat's ass about that because I don't live there. <clears throat> I don't need to go into other people's houses and straighten books and pencils. However, I'm looking around the place now and there's a sense of order in our place. But I like order. Funnily enough, everyone, I don't wash my ute. I actually, because it's been bashed and squashed and sideswiped so many times, it's got major hail damage <clears throat> I've tied the bull bar on the front with some rope and the ins- inside of the ute hasn't been vacuumed in a long time. Now, that sounds weird. If I had a BMW <clears throat> or some prestige car, um, I would obviously look after it. But So I can cope. And the seat, the seat that I'm wearing has literally disintegrated. Let me just bring us back to this point, becoming easily distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Now, okay, I, Paul. I, now, Paul, Paul, Point I don't taken. get easily distracted. Now, let me talk for 14 minutes about my ute seats. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking twonk. Oh, Paul. Look, it's so 
It's I, I love these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, know I find the... them wonderful, and I, Dad, I hope look... that everyone out there. Now, listen. Can I just go back to the point before? Very, very. <laughs> well, hang on, are we going back no, to no. The listen, mute? mate. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. I don't read reviews anymore. I couldn't I give know. a rat's ass I know. what I know. people think. Mm. I, I know that most people love the podcast, and yeah. I don't handle negativity. I'm a very, very sensitive person. We both are, yeah. I know. But, but both, I've got both... members of my family, mm. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call them out. In fact, mm-hmm. basically, my sisters, they have been known to say on occasion that I'm hard. Now, that's that is such bullshit. I mean, if I come across as being hard. That's that's so inaccurate. I'm I'm super bloody sensitive, and I I really care about lots of things. And maybe they think maybe they think maybe, maybe they think in a, that, maybe in the family. You know, I I once said, and mm. mum mum, stick your fingers in your ears again, please. I once said <clears throat> to friends, and I and I've said it a few times that if if my sisters and me, maybe my brother uh, Mark as well, uh, and I'm saying this from the heart, and honestly. I've often thought that if my family went to my funeral and heard my eulogy spoken and, and friends got up and spoke about me, they may not know who who the, the talks are about. Mm-hmm. Now, that's sad in a way, but, you know, I, I, look, I, I do keep my, my persona. Um, it's funny, I, I share it with all, all the loving fans, um, but I don't necessarily. I guess the only person in my family that really knows me is my mother, because she and I are very similar. Well, what about me? No, I'm not talking about you, Paul. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about my your, family. Your family, yes. You know, yep. my my parents and my siblings. Mm. Okay? Yeah, no, you. you I mean, I've got I've, I've got aunts that that know me really well. Uh, my Franny. grandmother, my grandmother Franny. I mean, they they really understand me. Amazing. And obviously, people. our kids do. You. Yeah. Anna and yeah. Mark, obviously. I think I, I, I've, I've, um, I did some talk the other day, and someone said, "Do you think you've gotten to know your dad better throughout this process?" And I, I really do think that I know you probably better than I know most of my friends now. Mm, I yeah. think. No, it's mind blowing. It's, it's um, a, it's a treat, and and it's a thrill. And I, I, I think what we have is is something for for other um, fathers and sons to perhaps maybe you know. But look, you've just got to, you know. I think it's mainly. It's up to like I was never very demonstrative. Like, um, mm. <clears throat> you know, you started hugging me, and I used to be very awkward. You know, that. Oh, I do it in the street and just but, see how long now you I can handle it. it. Yeah, yeah. But now I think it's it's wonderful. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, you don't ever want to leave these things. Um, you don't want to leave things unsaid unless they're they're mean and nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything that's positive, kind, reassuring, loving. You've got to put it out there. Particularly, I'm talking. I'm actually going to say this, particularly to the guys out there, to the to the dads or to the brothers, the cousins, the uncles. Really, really important to because you're a long time dead, and uh, you know everyone has um, has regrets. And one of the things about my dad, who was a tough man, he always used to say when I used to argue with my brother. And I know I've said it before, and I'm saying it again. He said to me, "You must, if you have an argument, and you." One of you goes out, and something happens to that sibling. Uh, that that's terrible, because imagine these situations in life. Imagine all the people that are dying every day in in all sorts of situations. Imagine of those people, people that had arguments and then never got that chance to to make up. 
And that's one thing that I'm really happy for with the loose units thing is that if I blinked out of existence, you would know exactly how I felt about you mm-hmm. and vice versa, right? Yep, brilliant. Um, um, yeah. We are uh, approaching the end of the show and the timer is starting to tick at me frantically, but I really want to just quickly rocket through the last four things on this list if you want to kind of do that. Okay? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Suffering generalized anxiety disorder and depression. Now, for me, that applies because I was diagnosed with clinical depression as a teenager. I was on... Um, I was on antidepressants and anxiety medications, and I also had, yeah, depression. So I was on Arapax and a bunch of other things. And God, I was in the, like, I, I rattled when I walked. I had so many anti anxiety and depression meds in me. Do you get depressed? I don't think you do. No, I, <clears throat> no, I don't. Um, you know how they talk about glass half full, half empty? I'm neither. My glass is permanently overflowing. And when I'm driving my ute or whatever, I, mm. and I was talking to a friend about this very topic yesterday. I quite often experience joy. Yeah. And I'm I'm talking about the real meaning like, of the word joy. Where oh, it's you like, have this overflowing sense yeah. of and you don't know why you you just and I get that fairly often. Um mm. the only time I ever suffered from depression and anxiety was when I personally mm-hmm. single handedly mm-hmm. uh lost our magnificent home in Manly in the GFC. Yes, and, I remember that. Uh, my entire life turned to shit. And Christine said to me, and my mother said to me, and lots of people said, you need to be medicated. And I said, no, I'm going to work through it. And if you were to watch a, um, uh, say, the Big Big Ben clock in London. Yeah. And you know how slowly that moves? Mm-hmm. Well, that was the second hand was moving that slowly for me when I was in the pits of exceptional depression that's real was, but, yeah. it was so bad my days seemed like a million hours was i in and, melbourne for um, this stuff i was wasn't i yeah it was and, and i kept it pretty well to myself i did contact my cousin uh victor who's mm. <clears throat> the doctor who's mm-hmm. one of one of my cousins who's a doctor and he he i remember where i was i was in david jones i may have said this to you before i'm speaking a little bit quickly because i'm i know it so well the story but i was uh really i was right at the bottom of of the shit pile and um i called victor and victor said some words to me dear victor you may not recall but victor said john if anyone can pull themselves out of this it, it's you and he was spot on and i did pull myself out and i didn't take medication but i'm i'm not saying to anyone that's like not it's not a good thing not to take medication or to take medication i'm not a doctor i handle things i didn't resort to alcohol or you know, I just kept fit, but it was really tough. And I got over the depression a few months later, and I thought everything was fine. Then I started to suffer from anxiety, which I would describe as this falling feeling in my stomach. And that lasted a while. And I, I've i never felt, I haven't felt that again. And I've been through a few traumatic things since. But I've really, um, I think with perhaps in my case with maturity, and rationalizing, um, compartmentalizing, um, acknowledging but not dwelling. You know, I had this really intense discussion with my brother yesterday about this very topic because uh, he comes to me a lot for, you know, for solace. And um, yeah, so look, mental health—it's a—it's a really tough, tough gig. But, you've never um, told me—you've you've never told me that. Never told you what? That you were that depressed or that you were that I low? I was fucked. But why didn't you tell me at the time? Um, the thing about depression is that because I used to have coffee with friends and, you know, you can be with a hundred 
imagine if you've got best like a hundred best friends, which is weird, but imagine if you've got uh you're surrounded by friends and family. If you're suffering, at least with me, when I was suffering from exceptionally bad depression, you may as well be on your own. It's like no one's there. You are so self-absorbed with your misery. And my misery misery was real because we'd worked really, really hard and we'd bought and sold, I think, seven properties to get to where we were on the eastern hill of Manly, which is, which is for people that know Manly, that's, that's, that's no mean feat. And then... Um, the morning of the GFC, um, wow, lost everything in about 20 minutes. And that's real. So, and I accepted full responsibility for it. Um, but we've moved on and I've pulled myself out of out of that particular thing. And I think it makes you, and here's a cliche and I, I, I'm going to use it. And on, on this particular occasion in with me, it definitely made me stronger, wiser, more philosophical, more understanding, less prone to judging, although I do judge people. I think, I think we all do, but yeah. So anyway, in a nutshell, that's... Um, look, we could talk about all that shit for, I mean, for episodes. But Dad, I was, I was diagnosed with depression when I was about 11 or 12, and I had um, incapacitating depression until I was about, I would say, 20, um, like all the time. Mm. I think when you caught me with my headphones in, in the car when I was 13, I was probably about to jump out of the car. I think I just, and I had, I know exactly what it's like. I wish we'd had this kind of relationship back then so we could have had this conversation because then maybe you could have called me and we could have talked. Mm. Um, but the thing is, Paul, that one thing that I certainly, and being a, being a male mm. um, and being kind of in that position where people do tend to, you know, for whatever historic reasons or cultural reasons, you feel that you definitely don't, because it, it, you do see it as a sign of weakness. However, I'd be down on Manly Beach every morning, and there were people that I had known, sort of incidentally, like there was a guy in a hardware store in Manly, and it was as though, and I was actually meeting and talking to men, and they kind of knew, like it was weird. So there must be something that attracts people that are suffering from depression where you kind of and the the, the main thing with men is to be open and honest um mm. you can't keep these things bottled up and it's not a sign of weakness to let people know that you you're struggling because everyone struggles there's not there's not one person in the world that doesn't struggle yeah, at various times but i also am a firm believer and this is how just so you understand that i didn't want to burden because if someone's got problems and you've got problems and then you tell them about your problems sometimes and got your you, problems as well yeah and then and you know and, and we like to kind of and i think as parents christine and i tended to you know protect you children sort of and that's part of i mean you don't want kids i mean i look at kids in prams and young kids and and i think to myself wow you're so lucky you don't know what's going on in the world and that's and they shouldn't but you sometimes still – I make jokes about this. I call you up and say, hey, um, has anyone died or anyone's gotten cancer or anyone's head's fallen off? Because oh, we don't want to bother you. I mean, that is a very natural impulse. But if you called me, honestly, if you called me at that point and talked me through that, I was such an unformed version of myself that I probably wouldn't have been – capable of helping whereas yeah. i'm kind of sad yeah. that like i'm kind of sad I, I, i'm not i'm sad i wasn't the person i am now because then if you call if you called me now right it would have been 
a game changer. I would have just flown back and we would have... I would yes, have, well, that's, you know, that's great. And that's wonderful about, you know, dealing with the kids. All our kids are in their 30s now. Mm. And we can all help each other and offer, you know, wisdom and solitude. But quite often just talking to someone is, is really beneficial. Just letting someone know that you actually care. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's really important. And families are, they're a great... Um, a great dynamic and and our our family has by default gone into Tegan's family mm-hmm. um you know we've got um Anne and Tobias and eventually we'll meet um Tobias's family and I'm already hearing you know you get to hear about his siblings and his mum and dad and then there's Mark and Pla and then her really complicated fascinating Thai family which brings a whole sort of other sort of strain into the whole thing and you know it's 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 great so through the children you your family are sort of like tentacles it just continues to to reach out and um, like tentacles maybe not the best analogy maybe not tentacles but something yes like like vines growing and crushing no like something <laughs> i see what i know i hear i hear you saying um were there any other points uh, any there were, but I honestly don't feel like they would. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll just leave them. We'll leave cool. them. I, love I, it. I, I don't know what the verdict is. Feel free to weigh in, everyone. Feel free to keep sending in your lovely messages. Thank you for tuning into. Ooh, Ooh. Guess what Dad's, that is. Dad smoked the, uh, salmon is ready. No, it's the um, it's the washing. Oh yeah, you better go. And get I the use washing. an alarm. I just, you know, I like to to know when it finishes. I mean, maybe you just missed the sirens. You know, you like the sense of urgency of quick, go do this thing. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This kind of wonderful really cathartic episode of loose units i don't even think this is a loose ends i think this is just a straight up loose units mental health special or something i i I hope you enjoyed it please be safe take care of each other good luck with the election results anyone who's watching with bated breath and we'll see you on tuesday for more loose units bye 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 (laughs) say it say bye bye all goodbye say bye bye I'm not saying it. You are saying it. Bye or bye. I'll go back to an old episode okay. and I'll... Do- All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Good night, children. Bye-bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 